Hey aliens, it's Yagul Pyre here. Due to the contents of this episode, I'm here to insert a content warning. We will be discussing the topic of vampires this week, which means there is the discussion of bodies, blood, biting, exhuming human remains, and any other spooky content of that sort. I'll include the timestamps for when that begins in the comments for the show, but without further ado, the intro. And welcome back to Area 51 and a Half, where we talk about all things science fiction, fantasy, horror, and pop culture. I am your host, Spooky Uncle John, and with me are my millennial falcons, Snyderman501, Nick Snyder, and our techno mage, Ren, aka Pyre Lily. And it is the spooky season! So all month long, we're going to be talking about things that are spooky, things that have to do with Halloween, leading up to our annual Halloween special. You're not going to want to miss that. But before we do any of that, Nick, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. Oh, you can find us on social media. That is X, Instagram, TikTok, and now Threads at the Area51H. You can also follow us on Facebook by searching for Area 51 and a half. Same thing with YouTube. And don't forget to check out our Patreon where you can sign up and we'll send you neat things for money because we need money. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Please, sir, can I have some more gruel? <laughs> I'd like some gruel to begin with. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, you know, before we get started, before we get started, I have to say that we, we not together uh, separately, but we went to the Hexes and Jinxes market yes. that they have. It is this huge outdoor market full of all kinds of witchy stuff. It was massive this year. Yeah, and like, you know, I had such... I finally found something that I've been looking for for decades. It's just because the, the specimen hasn't been right, mm -hmm. or I didn't like the look of it or whatever. I found an excellent specimen. Don't come for me. The thing was already dead. <laughs> I found an excellent specimen of... A Death's Head Hawk Moth. <gasps> oh my gosh. I've wanted one for the longest time because <gasps> The Silence of the Lambs is one of my favorite horror movies. It's so pretty. It took my entire budget that I scrimped and saved for to take to the Hexes and Jinxes market, but I just went, that is in excellent condition. You can see the skull. It's a nice oh. looking marking. There's no tears in the wings. It's... It's not a big one, mm -hmm. but it's beautiful. That's gorgeous. That's yeah. freaking awesome. And there was another outdoor market at Shaw's Ice Cream. Was there? Oh, yeah. okay. Cool. Very fair. Shaw's Ice Cream is very famous around here. It's like Ben and Jerry's in the States. Yeah. You know. Except better. Yeah. Um, so much better. It, it's local. But anyway, they had, a, <gasps> they had an outdoor market out there. And... I wandered around, but there was this couple that had a, 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 a tiny school bus that they had turned into the book bus, and they were selling used books. Oh, cool. I found a first edition of a Bachman book. If, in case you don't know, Richard Bachman is a pen name or pseudonym for Stephen King. He wrote under this name. And it was a first edition of Thinner, $5. You're kidding me. 
You're kidding me. Five dollars? Five dollars. And I'm just All like, right. yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. So those are the two things that I picked up. Did you guys pick up anything? Uh, I got a hand pie. Yeah, oh, yeah I, saw, <laughs> I saw those, but the diabetic in me went, they look tasty. So so funny story with the hand pie. Okay, so I was I was klutzy as all hell yesterday. I mean, just a complete big... So buffet. normal. Yeah, yeah. So basically. normal. Um, I banged, <laughs> I banged my head off of the the hand pie tent. You know how they're in a tent? I the banged, awning, yeah. Yeah, the awning. How, how they were the they were indoors in the actual railway museum. Yep. But, yeah, but they yeah. had a tent. Yeah, I get that. But how how? Because I didn't duck. Because because I'm uh, like a stormtrooper. Okay, leave me. No, home. you're like a Sasquatch. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Roaming through the woods freely. Anyway, I free my, range, if you will. I banged my head, and the girl's like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, no, I'm fine." No, no, wait, no, I'm hurt. Seriously, you give me a free hand pie. <laughs> <laughs> she laughed. She laughed. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was I. There was nothing there that really caught my eye. Um. So yeah. There was a gal that made jewelry, and it was uh, electromagnetic kind of copper thing. Ooh. And I asked her what the process was, and it was really interesting because her nephew apparently, um, he'll pick up cicadas. They're, they're dead. Yes. Yeah. They've already died. And he gives them to her. And it was really interesting because she will take this stuff and just rework it into jewelry so like there were feathers from her bird you know that's so creative yeah and and it was so cool because like this was an actual cicada and she has to very gently inject the body with something to stabilize Mm -hmm. it and then she puts it into the the copper electro bath thingy and i'm so technical just come for me for all your technical (laughs) jargon the (laughs) copper bath thingy (laughs) And the, it was this beautiful necklace, and I felt bad because, in a way, I was one. I didn't have the money after buying the Death Heads moth, <laughs> but there was when you see that handmade jewelry, and I'm not. Don't come for me. I'm not. I'm not into like the whole thing. But as a as a male, I'm not going to wear any of that. <laughs> and yet, it was cool. Mm-hmm. And. It was so interesting to see all the different crafters and the things that they did. And I wore my T-shirt from Salem and my horns that I bought there like three years ago. And people were like, I love your horns. It was just a nice, like people get down on like witchcraft and horror people Mm -hmm. and whatever. They are some of the nicest people you will ever meet. Yeah. Um. Did forget to mention, I did pick up a couple little trinkets. I picked up a Ghostbusters keychain. I'm, you know, I'm glad that you told me that mm-hmm. because in my mind, I'm going, Nick's birthday's coming up. Uh, no, I won't. So, fair enough. Um, and I also picked up a Michael Myers for President magnet. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Oh! I didn't even see that. It, was, it didn't matter. I blew my budget on the Death Heads moth, but. I picked up a small little, like, glass thing with an air plant in it with like a really pretty wire wrapped around it right so i now have a plant that hopefully i won't kill hanging in my room <laughs> and it looks very pretty and gorgeous and it's in, in not in the, the recording room it's in not the not room. in the booth the other room yeah um no, yeah but the, i just 
fell in love with all sorts of like there's so much moth stuff and cryptids and oh my yeah God. there's that meme that goes around that says you know if I ever won the lottery uh, I wouldn't tell anybody but, but there would be know. signs uh, like yeah yeah I would have like bought so much stuff yeah so yep. much stuff but anyway we're not here to talk about that that's just some fun things that we did before we get into our main topic which is all about the bloodsuckers, the vampires, the fangers, whatever you want to call them. It's time for Nick's Pop Culture Roundup. So going to start the Pop Culture Roundup with a bit of a somber note. Dumbledore himself, Michael Gambon, has passed at 81. That's sad. I, you know, the, the Harry Potter movies have been a fixture in my life for a long time. And, you know, I've seen Michael Gambon in other projects. Actually, one of my favorite things was seeing him as the star, as the reason, in, sorry, the star in the reasonably priced car on Top Gear. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. And, and he was in Sleepy Hollow. The, yeah, he was in Sleepy Hollow, along with every other old English actor at the time. Well, yeah, because, I mean, Tim Burton just loves the Hammer Horror films and, uh, you know, likes to have that kind of feel about it um it is very sad because he was a really good dumbledore not that richard harris wasn't but richard harris had died and yeah. michael gambon took over and so i think that people tend to think more of michael gambon as dumbledore than they do richard harris uh but you know wands up what a loss we've lost the night of the realm in other pop culture news we have finally got new voices for Rick and Morty. After the whole Justin Roiland controversy, he got canned from the show. And we have new voices, but Adult Swim is being coy about who the new voices are. They haven't announced who's playing them yet. We do know that it's two different actors playing Rick and Morty. But it's uh, it's an interesting thing that they're doing by not announcing who it is. I, I've watched some people on TikTok who can do a bang-on impression of both characters. And I know at least one of them have auditioned. That one has said that he didn't get it. But that maybe that's all part of a hush-hush contract, you know? You never know. You no. never know. Um, and in... Kind of tasteless and tactless news, they're making a movie about the Ocean Gate tragedy. Boo. If ever the phrase too soon applies, I feel it's now. So, for those who were living under a rock in the second quarter of the year, the Ocean Gate tragedy was essentially a group of billionaires went down in a poorly constructed submersible and imploded awful stuff but what's the movie what's uh, the movie here what's the i, what I, I don't pl- know because i mean they would have to create some sort of speculative but the, like that's the thing we dialogue know, from the people on the craft we like, know what happened their their system started failing and they continued to go downward until they couldn't go upward and then they imploded. There's no story here. I, I get a little disgusted with these kind of opportunistic movies. I agree with you. They already did, like, in Meg 2, they had a kind of plotline 
somewhat similar. And, like, that's honestly as close as I think they should have come. Yeah. Because, like, Meg 2 was already filmed and done probably by that time. But it was, like, they they had the topic of the decompression and the going down. And, like, they shouldn't touch it. Yeah, I don't, I don't care how wealthy these people were. I don't care about the carelessness of it. I care about the fact that this... It was a loss of human life. Just respect the dead. Leave it alone. Yeah, I. I mean, I've I've already mentioned my opinions on it, and even I think that this is this is not okay. No, no. Um, it's it's greed. Oh yeah, and right right now, I mean, talk about like as much as I hate to say it, talk about striking while the iron's hot. This thing was huge on the internet for a couple months after the incident. Yeah, and now they're making a movie of it. it Whatever. It's opportunistic. It is. Um, and finally, we got a clip from the new He-Man show. And it's great. I loved it. Basically, um, to recap, bit of a spoiler alert, I guess. But in the in and Revelations, they all like everybody found out that Prince Adam was He-Man, including his parents. So in this clip. It's He-Man versus Skeleglow, who's voiced by Tony Todd, and I love that. And King Randor, his father, comes and joins them in battle in this giant, like, green and yellow Iron Man suit. I'm just like, this is cool. The like the the four-year-old kid and me sitting there going, Yeah! I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, I go right back to the original He-Man cartoon. Yeah. I have the power. Revelations and Revolution is I is a is a direct continuation of that cartoon. That's fantastic, and it's really cool. Uh, Mark Hamill plays Skeletor, which is just wonderful. I love Mark it. Hamill as a voice actor has really like he almost has outshone being Luke Skywalker. Chef's kiss. You know, like he really has almost done that, and he's he plays. Amazing villains, Joker, Skeletor, uh, Fire Lord Ozai, like just. I, I oh. think because he's truly a character actor. Yeah. Oh yeah. He you is. Know? And he is. Uh, I just, yeah, I'm not going to get into the they did him dirty in the yeah, sequels, yeah, yeah. but you know, I, I I like Mark Hamill. I I think he's fun. I think the things that he puts out on his uh, tweets and his pages are fun. Yeah. Uh, just seems like some of you could actually, and even his stint on Big Bang Theory. It's fun. When you think of fun, you think of Mark Hamill. Exactly. Uh, one other thing I did, I meant to bring up on the last episode. That I'm going to bring up now. Um, so the the conglomeration of UFC and WWE has been finalized. They are now the company TKO. And a couple weeks ago, we witnessed the. Final episode of Monday Night Raw that was fully controlled by the McMahon family. And they came out and they did their bow and everything and everybody was all weepy and sad and blah, 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 blah. And then they went to the stock market the next day and made a ton of money. But yeah, it's it's now, it's now, T, the company is now TKO. They, they, uh, they trade under the name TKO and it's all WWE and UFC. And unfortunately with, with most... Uh, mergers like this, a lot of people have lost their jobs. That sucks. Um, with the wrestlers that have lost their jobs, they're going to land on their feet. They'll be fine. But, yeah, it's it's really wild right now. It's been a wild couple of years for WWE. Yeah. And in all honesty, when I hope when Mr. McMahon 
when he passes away, somebody makes a movie about him because this aspect, these past couple years, are going to be a salacious movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, That'd be a great biopic, I think. I think it would be, too. I mean, the guy's he's had a hell of a life. He's had a hell of a life. And it'd be interesting to see how they handle... Like, his life is a movie. The guy is an entertainer through and through, and his life has been a movie. So, yeah. yeah. And even just the evolution of his character from when uh, WWF started. Yeah. Uh, not the World Wildlife Federation. <laughs> Get the F out. The panda people. But just everything from that, where he was just this announcer, had no idea he owned the company. Yep. He's just there with with the... Uh, Jesse the body Ventura and Jesse's like just slamming him down. Shut up, McMahon. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about, McMahon. <laughs> and oh, and he just kind of went along like, "Hi, I'm I'm Vince McMahon. I'm this nerdy little announcer that uh, Jesse the body Ventura gets to harass every week." And that's all you thought of him as. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like, "Oh, this dude owns the company." Yeah. Oh, okay. And then you know you got that whole. It really took off in the 90s with that feud between him and Bret Hart and Screw the Boss and... Steve Austin. No, no. It started with Bret Hart. It started with Bret Hart? Yeah. Because remember, like, the, he spat in oh, his face. Oh, the, the Montreal School yeah, job. Yeah. yeah. Like, That's it started really... with that, and then they ran with it. It's like, yeah. how can I turn this into a, a storyline, and I'm going to be the evil boss? Yeah! So, the funny <laughs> thing about that is that McMahon thought he... Like, Mr. McMahon, the real person, not the on-screen character... Real person thought that he was the good guy in that situation. And my thoughts and feelings aside, he went on air and talked about it and tried to portray himself as the good guy. Yeah, it wasn't going to happen. And the fans lost their mind. They yeah. booed the crap out Especially of Especially us Canadian fans, because the, the, the Hart Foundation, the Hart family, is everything to Canadians. Thank you for bringing that to us, Nick. It actually... Oddly enough, ties into our main topic about vampires. It sure does. Remember Gangrel from Gan- WWE? Gangrel and the Brutes. So Gangrel <laughs> was a vampire, and he would come down to the ring, and he had a goblet of blood, and he'd, he'd drink the blood and then spit it into the crowd. It was fabulous. God, I, I loved, loved it. I loved and all that. They did the bloodbath thing where blood would just rush from the... The rafters and cover some poor wrestler. Oh, God, I love that stuff. And that is what we're talking about today. That is exactly our main topic. We are talking about vampires historically and pop culture. Like, where would we be in pop culture without vampires? Well, I mean, the horror genre would be... I don't know what it would be. It would be entirely different if we didn't have well, vampires. Well, yeah, and, and where does it all start, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, like, let's 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 do this. We're not really going to talk about Count Dracula, because Count Dracula is a topic all unto itself. Yeah. But let's talk about the influence of Bram Stoker's Dracula in all of this pop culture, because we have seen Dracula in so many iterations, from the Count on Sesame Street to Count Chocula in Serial to any kind of, like, when you think about Monster Squad, right? Yeah. You think about like that whole uh, Count Dracula visage that Bella Lugosi with the tuxedo and the the Hungarian accent and all that kind of stuff, right? And just mention it. Just looking at all the stuff you mentioned, it really speaks to the versatility of Dracula and vampires because it appeals to adults, it appeals to kids, it appeals to nerds, it appeals to 
it, it appeals to to soccer moms. It appeals to yeah, everybody. I, and you have those two big actors too that have never sort of gotten away from that role in the fact that you have Bella Lugosi, who right. I mentioned, but then you also have Christopher Lee from the Hammer horror films. Yeah, and that was like just a whole series of Dracula films starring Christopher Lee. And Hammer, Hammer really hammered home the 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 vampire genre because it wasn't just Count Dracula. It they had so many different versions of, of vampire movies as well yeah and it's it's interesting how vampires kind of went through history and the pop culture where it's like in the victorian era they were really big and then they kind of went back into the shadows and then you know in the the 30s it became really big with the universal monsters and kind of went back in the shadows and then hammer comes out yeah and it's big again and kind of goes back into the shadows and then you get the black exploitation with Blackula. <laughs> oh my God, Blackula! And in the seventies, out comes vampires again, and then Elvira and Vampira, and yeah, we'll talk about all of it. Yeah. So before we get too far, yeah, let's back up and do some little bit of history learning. Um, so quick note, though, all of this is myths, folklores, all so everything that we're going to talk about um, ha- are different facts, stories. The details may change depending on the translation, the culture the era, what people think of it. So this is just a broad thing. If you have differences on vampires, please tell us. Like, we want to learn more. Yeah, we're about to get edumacational. Edumacational. So I'm not saying that. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, vampires believed to start as folklore throughout Europe, but it wasn't, like, they had records of vampires to, like, Mesopotamia, to Egypt, all that kind of thing. But the term vampire, as we know it, first appeared in English in 1732 in reports about vampire epidemics in Eastern Europe. Right. So 1718, Austrian officials noted the local practice of exhuming human bodies to, quote unquote, kill vampires. There are two people in particular who were dug up and stabbed through the heart to make sure that they were dead. Um... A lot of the reports were paired between 1725 and 1732, and that's when it got really, really big. So in the due to the Habsburgs, which if you're a historian, you know that's just going to be crazy and weird as it is. But all this started during the Habsburg monarchy in Austria, Germany, Eastern Europe kind of thing. Uh, the first works of vampires was a German poem in 1748. Followed by, a lot of people consider the poem Lenore from 1773 as a vampire story, even though technically it was death, not a vampire, mm-hmm. but same imagery. And in fact, it was actually quoted in Dracula. Right. Um, but the first vampire story book novel is 1819, and it's The Vampire by John William Polidori. Yeah. I'm sorry if yeah. I said it wrong. I think that's right. So it's based on a story that Lord Byron told as part of a contest between... Uh, right, where we get Frankenstein from yep, Mary Shelley, yeah. Yep, we got the Poldori, we got Mary Godwin, who then turned into Mary Shelley, Lord Byron, and Percy Shelley. So they all told stories, did a competition. We got Frankenstein from that, and she won. Go her. But <laughs> this guy, Poldori, uh, took Byron's small story, turned it into a bigger story, based it on Lord Byron. So anything that says Lord Ruthven is actually Lord Byron. Um, And it kind of was the first one that started the romantic vampire genre or fantasy. Like it kind of turned, made 
vampires into vampires. So, like, did he do that just to throw his homie under the bus? Basically, yeah. He was his physician, apparently, and was just like, huh, you know who's full of themselves and be great as a vampire story? <laughs> Lord Ruthven. Yeah, uh, because yeah. They, they were probably still into, like, leeches and bloodletting yeah. back and then. And actually, apparently, from what I read, if people mentioned this book to Lord Byron, he'd get upset. He'd get <laughs> livid because he knew that it was about him. Um, so then after that, in Victorian era, we had uh, Varney the Vampire, <laughs> which was... <laughs> Varney the Vampire, yeah. Oh, I yeah. hear the name, and the first thing that pops into my head is Barney is, the dinosaur. No, no, <laughs> Ernest P. Worrell running around in a vampire getup. No, oh, you're gonna. Me, I hear Barney's like, "Oh, baby, you, yeah. you, baby, it's." Will be hang on, is, is it is it Barney or Barney? Varney. Varney. V-A-R-N-E-Y. And the, 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 my connection there is Jim Varney played Ernest yeah, yeah. Worrell. I get it. Just oh. listen to this, though. It gets better. <laughs> so they appeared in Penny Dreadfuls. Right, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I love that. So Penny, Penny Dreadfuls, Dreadfuls, just for the people that don't quite know, their stories published in weekly parts of like 8 to 16 pages. They cost a penny. Really big during Victorian eras. That's where you get Sweeney Todd, Dick Turpin, spring Jack, which just looks like Batman, if you ask me. But anyway. Um, <laughs> so it introduced the whole troop, uh, trope of the sharpened teeth. That was the first time vampires had sharpened teeth. So, like, the, the fangs or, like, the front fangs the, like we see in Nosferatu? The front fangs. The, so, like, the rat-like yeah. ones. Yeah. So, the plot, it, this is, it's funny to me. It's Sir Francis Varney, and in, he inflicted a lot of troubles on the Bannerworths, which is a formerly wealthy family driven to ruin by their recently deceased father. So, basically, he just, um, he just messed with them, like... It was it was basically like comics, um, and he this this guy Varney would die several times, and then he'd come back, and he had like five or whatever different origin stories because each time he came back, the guy would rewrite a new one. Um, so, including like a medical student would uh, applied like electricity to Varney's corpse which revived him and made him into a vampire <laughs> they they had no real actual plot it was just a whole bunch of things and comics that ran over like two years and they were in the penny dreadfuls but that was like one of the first vampires right um and then carmilla in 1872 which uh broke a lot of victorian things uh victorian stereotypes because it was told as a young woman who was preyed on by female vampires. And Ooh. in it, the men... So at the at the time, obviously, Victorian women had no purpose in life other than to be there for men because they that was their thought. Um, but in this, the Victorian men are the useless ones. They can't do anything. The women are the ones with all the power. Uh, so it really turned a lot of the Victorian stereotypes on their head. Right. Uh, Carmilla was involved emotionally with her victims, which is very different from the last few vampires. And even in death, she uh, was, she still lived because the river where her ashes were scattered, she still lived in the river. But this was the first one that had the stake through the heart to kill a vampire. Um, so it also had sapphic undertones, which really, really shook things up and um, was... What people believe to be, obviously, it, it influenced Dracula. Yeah. Which, uh, in 1897, Dracula came out. 
and which, really hit a home run. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Way to go, drunken Irishman. Yeah. I will note um, well, just one thing about it. Uh, there's some debate about who obviously Dracula is based on. Some people say Vlad the Impaler. Other people say Countess Eliz- Elizabeth Bathory. Mm-hmm. And then, but there's nothing in the notes about those guys. Um, but there's also an Irish vampire-like legend that he actually, that Stoker actually noted about it, and that might be what it came from. Yeah, I think he, uh, I you know, I should have asked Dr. Miller. That would have been great. Um, but I think that he took the name from Vlad the Impaler yeah. for sure, because his name actually he, is Vlad Dracula. He got a lot of information from Transylvania, so yeah. obviously, like, the location was researched and everything. But there's no actual note on Vlad the Impaler in yeah. his notes. But, I mean... I mean, Dracula I'm not comes from wrong. Romania. He comes from the Carpathians. Yeah. That's where Vlad the Impaler's castle is. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's wrong. Braun Castle, to be specific. Yeah. But that's where we're going to leave Dracula. Because, as we said, that is a whole other episode. So, done with that. Yeah. But then it comes into... But the influence is there. And yes. that's why we mention it. Because without... Count Dracula, would we have all these other vampire tales? Definitely not in the same way. Leaving the Dracula aspect out of it, even looking at that Bela Lugosi film, that movie heavily influenced horror throughout the decades. Yeah. And we don't have a horror genre without that. Well, truthfully, I would go one step further, Nick. Because that was made in the 1930s, mm-hmm. whereas Nosferatu was made in 1922. 100 years old, this German expressionistic movie, which is stolen from Dracula, even though it's Count Orlock, played by Max Schreck, is still held in high regard in both film yep. and the horror hound fandom and the genre as one of the best and really one of the first horror movies, yeah. and the very first vampire movie. Mm-hmm. So, and it's been remade, you know? A couple times, yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, one of the remakes is fantastic. Um, like, it is so beautiful to, to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's Klaus Kinski. Yeah, the Klaus Kinski one. That yeah. is a beautiful... Yeah, that, it, it, yeah it, it's so beautiful to look at the style of film in there. So, I mean, you have this influence with Count Orlock and the rat teeth and all that kind of stuff, but... The German expressionistic style really makes that movie very creepy. All the things that they did to to get that movie, like Shrek would not appear in anything but his makeup and anything other than Count Orlock, and then he would just like scuttle away and disappear. And of course that led to the movie Shadow of the Vampire. Right. With our boy, Defoe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with Willem Defoe. And John Malkovich as Myrna, the faux played Shrek, yeah. and it that was a yeah, creepy and, movie. Well, it just got into the whole legend that Max Shrek was really a vampire because of the way that he acted. You know, it's like, did Myrna get a real vampire to come and do this? No, he didn't because he wouldn't be able to catch him on film. That and Max Shrek at the time was fairly a uh, fairly large star as well. So and he was also a bit of a nutter, I think. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he would actually freak people out, and he would actually. I think it, there was. It could be lore. It could be fiction. I don't know, but there was even talk about him like actually eating 
things, like no. drinking their blood, and because he was just like all in, and nobody knew about rabies. Then, all about the method. All about the method. All about the messy method. But I mean, mm-hmm. when you look at the shadow play, like one of the things that we always see, we constantly see it, is that idea of the shadow of Count Orlock. And it's very German expressionistic with the, the way it's it's shot and the shadow going up the stairs. Yeah. You know, and then you see that uh, it, it's always iconic where he's standing on the, the, the meter and he's looking all. Ugh. That's the first image I actually saw of a vampire when I was a kid. And if you think about looking at the shadow work and you look at movies like more modern movies, like even um, Paranormal Activity. Yeah. The shadow work in that is fantastic, and it, ta- it obviously like we wouldn't have that type of work without these movies that laid that groundwork. Yeah, but I mean, you're in the 1922s. It's, it's a silent movie. Movies mm-hmm. are not that like they're they're new. They're, yeah, exactly. They're, they're really new. Can you imagine being in 1922 going to see the silent movie? Like that would scare the living daylights out of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, absolutely, it would. Nosferatu also showed up in Spongebob, if that <laughs> means anything. Well, he was he was the enemy, or not the enemy, he was messing with the lights at the Krusty Krab and <laughs> scaring Spongebob the entire time. And that was, I don't know, that always pops into my head when I think of Nosferatu. Yeah, and Nosferatu, of course, is, is a uh, <laughs> European word for vampire. And so many words. Uh, I love the, the that Simpsons episode of Treehouse of Terror where Lisa's like, Nosferatu, Das Vampir! And she's going through all of these different names for for a vampire. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's like when you, you just look at all of this kind of imagery and that movie influenced so many other parts of pop culture because let's talk about... Stephen King's Salem's Lot for a minute. Well, yeah, uh, Mr. Is it Mr. Barlow. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a Nosferatu style vampire himself, and a creepy. Oh my god! That miniseries has some of the most disturbing imagery in it for its time. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about, I can't think of the actor's name. His character actor was big all through like the seventies and and eighties. Can't think of his name, unfortunately. Uh, but when he is discovered to have turned and he's sitting there in a rocking chair and it's all dark and the eyes are glowing and and the kid at the window coming for his brother. With, oh, that, that, oh God. I mean, nobody does it like Stephen King. No kidding. I need to watch some of his stuff. I've never seen it. No, wait, I saw it. Yeah. Which one? The newest ones. The, but I need to watch more of this because that sounds creepy as well, sort anything. Well, sort of on a tangent. Let's just go on a little bit of a tangent here. Like when we talk about Stephen King and talk about vampires and all that kind of stuff, you have to understand, as I've really come to understand, based on could actually be nothing like the book. Yeah. Nothing like it. So True. Uh, but anyway, what a creepy, creepy image. It is. And that, that, that is kind of the thing, is that those movies do take their cues, obviously, especially with Barlow's design, mm-hmm. from what came before. Yeah. Um, some of the other movies that some creators have really kind of veered away from that. If you, like, if you look at the way Guillermo del Toro does a vampire, it's completely different to what we, what we normally see, the whole... Jaw yeah. splitting open, the giant tongue coming out. He used that in Blade Two, and he used it in The Strain. 
Yeah. And it is, it's a really unique form of vampirism. Yeah, but there's all kinds of different vampires, too. Like, we always joke that somebody is like a, a time vampire because they waste our time, right? But there are actual vampires that, in lore, mm-hmm. in lore, that don't feed off of blood, but rather they feed off of energy. So in what we do in the shadows, there is a character that does that. Uh, that that one that that one's played by Mark Pash, and that's his whole thing. Is he just stands there and drains you while he talks to you? So the Dresden File books actually have four different courts of vampires, and it's kind of the four stereotypical ones. They have the one the Red Court, which is non-human creatures who are capable to disguise themselves as human. So they're actually like bat creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, the black court, which is like the classic variety of the undead drinking from other people. The white court takes emotions and life force. And then the jade court, which is not much is known about them, but it's said that they are able to kill from a distance. So like a hotel across the street is the example given. Yeah, um, I, I, that seems like the fantasy of an author. Well, yeah, point. but it's it has... They, they have, like, the comparison, and then, like, yeah. you know, what you do in the shadows has several different kinds of vampires, both the yeah. old, like, the Nosferatu, yeah. to, like, the new ones. I loved the original by Taika Waititi, the original movie, What We Do in Shadows. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I mean, it's so cerebrally funny, you know, and because they have that Nosferatu vampire, and he's in the basement, and they're doing the whole thing, and... They wake him up. All it does is hiss. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love the movie so much. It's so great. But I mean, like, look at all these influences, right? And then it's like we can't do a deep dive into any of these things. So why don't we just go through certain interesting movies or television shows? So speaking earlier, vampirism is heavily pliable, even as, as its own genre. I mean, Dracula is essentially its own subgenre in horror. Right. There's so many Dracula movies out there that basically constitutes its own genre. And there are so many Draculas. I know. I'm going to talk just briefly about one of my favorite ones. Grandpa Munster. Yeah. Grandpa Munster is Sam Dracula. Yeah. You know, they, they, they are the Draculas. Lily is Lily Dracula before she marries Herman and becomes Herman Munster. You know, and it's, it's just like... How can you be frightened by Grandpa Munster? I mean, like, it's... I like Hotel Transylvania. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go blah, blah, blah. So, and my favorite Dracula is Gary, Gary Oldman. Yeah. I love his Dracula. It's so passionate and <laughs> there's so much vitriol in it. Oh, he's so good. So, Ren, you had mentioned Hotel Transylvania. Wonderful animated series. Like mm. really like that series. I mean it kind of goes off the uh, rails, yeah. as any franchise does. But let's start there. Let's start with vampires in children's programming. I mentioned the Count from Sesame Street. Yeah. You yep. know, we mentioned Count Chocula. One of my favorites as a kid was Count Duckula. He <laughs> was a he was a vampire duck, and he was very much done up to look like Dracula, and he was a vegetarian. <laughs> it was silly. Whatever, I loved it. And one of Ren and my favorite is actually similar to that. It is Banicula. Ren, you want to talk about Banicula? Uh, I don't remember a whole ton about it because it was a big book when I was in elementary school. Right. But he would drink carrot juice or something. I can't exactly <laughs> yeah. remember what it was, but it was... 
yeah, this bunny would act like a vampire and, like, would drink carrot juice and... It, oh, it Saturday was... morning cartoons when I was growing up, I believe it was ABC. They would have, like, the... They called it a movie, mm-hmm. right? Whatever. And so they did these animated movies, which were maybe an hour long. So they were longer than your typical uh, cartoons on Saturday mornings. And they had, like, Miss Switch as the witch. You know, they would always mm-hmm. put something out great halloweeny and one of them was banicula i remember oh. it as a book i don't even remember it as a as a yeah it was an animated little special so i mean oh. like banicula is a huge story to certain generations that was right? never available in my school library because it was always just gone everybody had it <laughs> everybody, out. Had, to yeah, everybody it. had it out yeah but i mean like we, we see these things i mean there was there's monster squad there was um the flintstones met you know, Frankenstone and Count Rockula. How many Scooby-Doo movies are there where he's against Dracula? There's even well, the, Batman the versus first, Dracula. Yeah, the, the first one. Um, but, I mean, like, again, we kind of have to... It's it's hard to talk about it because so much of it is influenced by Dracula, even though yeah. we said we weren't going to talk about Dracula. But here's one that brings up a lot of controversy. about Twilight? Uh, <laughs> I... For one, read all the books, own all the bo- or yeah, own all the books, and I saw the first movie in theater, and I still want to watch it and make fun of it because that's what you do. With I Twilight. was dragged to see all of the Twilight series uh, by a female friend of mine at the time. Everybody kept saying, "No, no, read the book. The book is better." And so someone lent me the book, and I start reading. And I'm like, "No, it's not," and I threw it away. It's and the thing of it is, it was so funny because there was this moment. Uh, I forget what the the vampire hierarchy yes. was called. Yeah, you know, Michael Sheen is the lead vampire, or whatever. I forget yeah, Michael what, Sheen. I forget what they were called, but there there was one of the movies where at the end, I was like invested because like they were talking about them, and it was like five minutes of of the film. And the, my my friend's daughter was just like that. That's what that's what you're that. Oh yeah. And my friend says, "Honey, you have to understand that five minutes is the whole movie for John." Because I don't care about Bella. I don't care about Eric or whatever the heck his name is. I, I Edward. Edward. Like I, I I sat there and I, I I played this joke all the time on people. I said I can sum up Twilight in one sentence. And all the women type back, no, you can't. I said, oh, yes, I can. Here it is. Here's the whole plot of Twilight, all of them. Bella is in love with Edward the vampire, and Jacob the werewolf is pissed off about it. So I did read the first book, and my only takeaway from that book, I read the whole thing, because some friend of mine, (laughs) I won't mention, uh, told me that this was the godfather of vampire films, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to read the book first. And the only takeaway I have with the book was someone was trying to pad out a page quota because there's literally pages where it's like January, turn to page February, turn to page March. I'm like, oh my because god! It was, I thought Twilight was actually fan fiction of something else, and they turned it around. No, was, no, no. Uh, oh way. no, yeah, no. I'm sorry. It was Fifty Shades of Grey was. Twilight fan, fan fiction, fiction. Yeah. and it got turned around so, into something. Don't worry, I made that mistake. Stephanie as well. Myers. Why? I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I get it. It's I don't consider it a vampire book. I don't consider it a 
good book. But, <laughs> but Thank you. it got a lot of people into one reading, mm. into two looking yeah. up more vampire stuff. Yeah. Um, and it I don't know, it it's super fun to make fun of now. And it like sucks. it's memes and it's people like music videos out of the baseball scene and there's it's just I mentioned Al Lewis as Grandpa Munster. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite memes is there's a, a picture of Al Lewis dressed as Grandpa Munster. It's probably a promotional shot. He's got this look on his face like someone just dropped the nastiest air biscuit ever. And it says, oh, they sparkle now or something like yeah. that. We, we could probably do an entire show on Twilight memes, but, but anyway. That also brings up the Daywalker type of vampires, yeah. which is a whole other... And Daybreakers is a really Daybreakers good vampire good. movie because what I love about Daybreakers is Sam Neill plays this corporate bastard vampire and it is so delicious watching that. And they're like, it's it's kind of action adventure. It's not true. It's not true horror. No. Well, it isn't. It isn't. And it also stars Defoe. And, you know, you, you got Sam Neill and Defoe in a movie together, kind of anchored by Ethan Hawke. It's a great movie because you see all of those different types of vampires because the thing is they're trying to get as much because they're running out of blood. You know, there's, mm. like there's so many vampires in the world now and they're running out of blood. And this is this whole cyclical thing of corporate bastardism and charging people for all this kind of stuff. But what happens is that if they don't have their blood, they start reverting into those bat-like Ooh. ones. It's and it it's this is really creepy scene where Ethan Hawke goes home and his home is broken into by one of these bat-like vampires looking for for blood. And it's, it's really an amazing movie that didn't get a lot of attention, I don't think. But it's wonderful. It is good. It is yeah. good. And, you know, you can't mention um, Daywalkers without, of course, Blood Rain. Right. A great little video game series and a crappy movie. I series. enjoyed that series. And, of course, Blade. Yes. See, I like Moonlight. That's my Daywalker series. It was a little, like, crime-solving uh, series. It lasted for like one season. It's about this one guy who got turned into a vampire who was a singer in like the 50s, I think. And anyway, um, hmm. he was a daywalker trying to solve crimes with the police and stuff like that. And it was, it, it was, I don't know, I really enjoyed oh, it. Forever but, Night, Canadian series. Oh, yeah. Okay. But the coolest thing about Moonlight was they put a twist on the history of things. So the French Revolution, according to Moonlight, was held because all the French royalty and aristocrats were vampires so that's why they had to behead them was to kill the vampires you had to behead them so they set up a guillotine and just started (laughs) churning people through but i was like that is so cool that that's the twist that they put on it Mm -hmm. because the people realized oh shoot like that's why we're dying it's because the vampires and they started going through them so as john mentioned we had forever night um back in the early 90s which is very similar to moonlight um moonlight of course came out in the mid early 2000s but yeah, Forever Night was a Canadian production, and you you know more about it than I do. Yeah, it took place in Toronto, yep. and you know the lead character worked as a police officer, a detective of all things, right? Yeah. But they had like this really rich set of characters. I I can't really speak to it wholly because I caught episodes here and there because it was again I I'm busy at night doing theater, so and the, we're talking days before I really had like. 
anything that I could really record with. I didn't even have a VCR. Yeah. So I couldn't really record them to watch them later. Mm-hmm. So I caught them kind of in reruns here and there. Uh, but LaCroix was like the... LaCroix in, in D, D&D terms would be like chaotic neutral. Yeah, he kind of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he kind of led on the guy you're talking about the dark side, but like he was always kind of like that. That little, he was always like doing the pinpricks into it. It's interesting how a vampire character can lead into a crime fighter because you've also got Angel as well, which was a spinoff of Buffy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Angel is a private detective um, in L.A. trying to solve supernatural cases. Right. Uh, Blood Ties by is a series by Tanya Huff, who got turned into a TV series. Same sort of thing. The cops need help with the uh, with solving crimes as a vampire, but it takes place in Toronto too. So there's a lot of mentions of like different streets, which is fun because you know living around Toronto, we're like, oh, I've been there, I've been there, I know that place. Yeah. And, but, and and it's just exposed the ugly truth that Prado has a lot of vampires. Indeed. I think yeah. I actually remember that one. Yeah, and then like at the end in the TV series stop, like in the end, there can only be one vampire in an area. So like the vampire ends up turning the cop or the private detective or whoever, whatever she was. So then he ends up moving out of the area so that she can have Toronto so that she doesn't have to leave. Which is a different, like very territorial. There's no groups of vampires. It was one alone yeah. in each area. So let's, since we talked about literature, since we talked about Twilight, let's talk about a better series from <laughs> Anne Rice, the Interview with the Vampire series. I have not seen that, and it's been on my list for years. You haven't seen it with I've Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt? I've not seen the the movie, or I guess there's now a series coming Yeah, out, yeah there's a now? series on AMC. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that because I just forgot. I, <laughs> I started watching the series. I enjoy it. The... The guy that plays Lestat just kind of sneaks up on you. Like, he's so eh at the beginning. Yeah. But he turns into just this sexy, charismatic douchebag. Yeah, that's Lestat. Yeah, and he's, 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 it's so... But that, that's the thing. Like, like you talk about, like, uh, Twilight, I guess, is kind of like the child of the Anne Rice series. You know, because Anne Rice, her fiction tended to be on the, the verge of erotica. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes right into erotica. Yeah. And that goes along with vampirism, yes, right? Because yes. there is that idea of them being able to put you under a spell. And, and that's been theirs. from the very yeah. beginning. You know, I mean, we see that yep. at, at the beginning. But I mean, like, Interview with the Vampire, I think it came out, I want to say in the 70s, actually. The book? Yeah, the book. 76. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I don't know why it took so long for it to come into the forefront of of it. But, like, when you think about it, in like 1976, like, you would have said, well, maybe if it came about in the 80s, that would have made a lot more sense. But, I mean, I don't know what it, why it took so long for it to catch on, other than I would think that maybe there was some underground subversiveness because there was that whole idea of... of anti-Satanism that we mm-hmm. talked about yeah. on a podcast previously with the Dungeons and Dragons. So I, I I wonder if it was a little bit underground, but then as it, it came on, people said, you got to read this, you got to read that. It's also odd because, like, the movie, when was the movie made? In the 90s. 90s. Yeah. There's been nothing about it. Like, for, the only thing I've heard about Interview with a Vampire, the movie, is that it's so great, they haven't done anything with it until they made that TV series. The, so it's uh, like... I, 
As well, far they, as I know, maybe they, they did. They, they did do Queen of the Damned. Yeah. But it wasn't as good as Interview with the Vampire. But they, have, they haven't tried to like remake it or anything. They're just like, yep, this movie's great. It's well, fine. It's done. And now we're going to try to remake Rice it. But Anne Rice actually helped write the screenplay. That would do it. Okay. So it's very it. faithful to the book. Like it takes the best parts of the book. Mm-hmm. And it is really a true adaptation. The You also have Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt and... Pearson uh, Dunst. Yeah. What, oh, Antonio coming. Banderas. Oh. Like just powerhouse actors. Yeah, I know. Why would the they? Day, why would they right? change it? Like just. But it, it, but what what kind of confused me is that we got Interview with the Vampire and then Queen of the Damned came out, which is not a as great a movie. But they didn't do any of the other movies. There's no Vampire Lestat. There's no The Body Thief. There's mm. no like you have this whole rich franchise you could have done. Interview with a Vampire was a very successful movie. It was a box office hit. We wanted more. We would have loved to have seen Tom Cruise in The Vampire Lestat. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. Instead, we got Stuart Townsend. Yay. Um, one, of the, the, one of the cool things about that movie, Queen of the Damned, though, is Lestat's singing voice is actually the lead, lead singer of Korn. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know, but... Uh, I don't think you would have had Twilight without Interview with a Vampire. No, absolutely not. No. No. You know, and the, the late Anne Rice, unfortunately, will never get any more stories from her. No. But, fantastic, fantastic. Um, we've, aliens, we have a whole screen full of vampire movies. One I want to talk about, vampire movies, but also horror comedy it's not haha funny. It's more like ironic funny. And this has the longest title ever. And we have to bring it up. It is. Uh, I, I, Nick, why don't you read it off for us? The Fearless Vampire Killers, or pardon me, but your teeth are in my neck. <laughs> I love saying that title. Now, th- this movie has a little bit of controversy in it. Because it's going to. Well, the reason it's got controversy in it is because it ties into the whole Manson family yeah. thing and everything that happened with Roman Polanski thereafter. But this is the movie that Roman Polanski met Sharon Tate on. Yeah. You know, and it is a wonderfully rich movie to watch. It is. It's I I remember when you sat me down to watch this. I'm just and I was just rolling my eyes because of the title. And then I watched it, I'm like, this is a gorgeous film, and it's beautifully crafted. And the funny thing is, it's not that humorous. No. You know, like, it, there is humor in it. It is funny, but it's more situational. Yeah. You know, they play it very straight. You can't help but laugh at the the ridiculousness of it all with the, the Van Helsing-like character that uh, Roman Plansky's character is... Um, you know, paired with he's a he's a novice vampire hunter to the older vampire <laughs> hunter, and just the foibles of them hunting down this this threat in this very small Eastern European village mm-hmm. in the winter time. It has some of the most gorgeous sets, the most gorgeous cinematography you would ever see. It's it, it's it, and one of the most gorgeous women that ever graced the screen. Yeah. <laughs> Going along the lines of horror comedies, um, you've got stuff like Fright Night, which is, I don't know, it's one of my favorites. Um, we actually got, uh, Amanda, uh, Amanda Barris was in that, and we actually got to talk to yeah. her. 
but it's a fun movie where a boy finds out that his next door neighbor is a vampire. Yeah, and the character of Evil Ed. You yeah. Know, like, that just really makes that movie. I think it's it's almost like Evil Ed is the cherry on top of that oh, Sunday. Yeah. And it's kind of sad that you have a really great original movie like that with Chris Sarandon and uh, um, Roddy McDowell and the, the Amanda Burst. They just all do such a great job. Mm-hmm. And then you get that remake. Oh, give me a break. Which, the remake was good. I like the remake. The remake is not good. It is good. It is not good. It's, it's good in the fact that it's got good actors in it. Yeah. It's good in the fact that they did a remake, but the character played by David Tennant is nothing like the Roddy McDowell character. I realize they tried to update it because you don't have those horror hosts, yeah. but it didn't really work that great. The best part about that movie was actually Chris Sarandon's cameo. I was actually going to mention that. Yeah, Chris Sarandon getting just decimated by Jerry Andrews was hilarious. And he loved it. He They weren't actually going to do that. He's like, no, no, no. I, I want to be sl- I want to. I want that to happen. Because it's like that whole passing of the torch yeah. kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, of course, there's Dracula Dead and Loving It with Leslie Nielsen and Mel Brooks. <laughs> oh, Can't my go wrong with Mel Brooks. God. Everything about that movie is just on. I love McNichol as Renfield. Yeah. And just, oh, such a fun movie. And then you, you also have Monster Squad. Wolfman's got nards! Wolfman does, in fact, have nards. Yeah, I I love that one. Um, moving, not a comedy per se, but it definitely has funny bits. Lost Boys. Uh, Lost Boys is not a comedy, but the grandpa in that is hilarious. Oh, the final line? And, you know, like there, there's a line about, um, I can't remember what the line is um, off the top of my head, but... It's like, oh, my, like the Frog Brothers. Yeah. It's the attack of Eddie Munster. <laughs> but, and, and that's the thing is, you, they, yeah, it's not a comedy, but it does it has, have a lot of comedic elements. It's very 80s because yes. a lot of 80s horror movies had a lot of comedy in them. Yeah. You know, and like I love the final line. Bernard Hughes, as the grandfather, comes in and he crashes through the house and, you know, vanquishes the vampire and everything like that. And he's just like wandering around grabbing a, a bottle of booze and they're like grandpa are you okay dad are you okay and he's like ah one thing i always hated about living here is all the stinking vampires yeah it, it's like something you could have told us at the start of the film this is information we could have used but i i love that uh, the last said about the sequels the better but <laughs> uh, you know but they, they, this is the problem it's like we can't even focus on any one particular I know, movie it's... because they're all so great yeah. you know like and we we haven't even gotten into uh, there's one i really want to talk about which is a foreign film uh, actually two foreign films we should talk about let the right one in Oh, I, oh, yeah. And this one that i saw recently by recently i mean probably Back in the winter time, uh, which was uh, a girl walks home at night. This is a fantastic or fantastic <laughs> movie where it, it, she it's a female vampire, right? And you think this is going to be something else. And the way that foreign films tell stories is so different than North American mm-hmm. styles. And it's a rich, beautiful movie that has uh, great. Tales to tell, and uh, it's a, it's just 
wonderful about that whole idea of male dominance versus females and females being vulnerable and turning that all on its ear and you know like no you are the ones that are vulnerable because if you're stalking this woman <laughs> you are going to be her dinner um and let the right one in oh yeah has very similar tones to that yeah so let the let the right one in um is a it's it's kind of weird because it's a cute little puppy love movie, but we're not but it's talking, also yeah. but we're not talking about the the Amer North American remake. We're yeah. talking about the original. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because um, I'm just saying that for the alien because like the original is so much richer. Yeah, I mean the a lot of a lot of what was happening is you see those remakes like Juan and other things where it was almost shot for shot but with American actors. Yeah, and that to me seems almost pointless. Just learn to read subtitles. But that whole idea of that puppy love that you were talking about, right? Where yeah. she is actually much older. Yes. In, in many, many ways. And she protects this child because her protector kind of dies, right? Yeah. And not kind of, he does. He's old. And so the, it's, a, the, the, it's almost this whole kind of thing, like with the let the right one in, where it's twofold. She has to let the right person into her life to be her protector. But at the same time, it's this whole grooming thing of this older person and this younger child. And, you know, has he let the right one in for his life? Yeah. You know, so it's it becomes very rich. And, and the, that shot with the bullies and the swimming pool. Where oh, my God. It is one of the most visceral things you can ever, ever watch. You know, it's just fantastic in all of its imagery. So it's really interesting when you, you see that because there's a, a movie from Finland from the 1950s. It's a classic horror movie. It's called The White Reindeer. Now, you would think just from the title that it's just about a reindeer, you know, but it's not. It's an actual it's a vampire movie about this Salmi woman who gets turned into a vampire and just all of the, the, the cultural things that, that go on there. I don't understand them because I'm not Finnish, and it was from the 1950s, but I have seen the movie, and it is a beautifully shot movie. And even though it didn't have subtitles, I could follow what was going oh. on. You know, and it's just, it's so hard to get something like that that, that took place back then, a, a 1950s movie from Finland. I mean, you have to have the right... DVD player in order to play it because it's a different uh, area and it's like, oh my gosh, but I would love to have that in my collection. Definitely something I have to mention, but vampirism is something that seems to permeate the culture in the entire world, right? And so even here in North America, it's really kind of great to see that we get different perspectives from it. I mentioned Blackula, yeah. part of the black exploitation movement. What a great movie that is. You know, it's the whole idea that this African prince is meeting Count Dracula, and Count Dracula does him dirty, seals him up in a, a, a wall, you know, until these two uh, interior decorators are buying all of the things from Dracula's castle, and they discover the coffin, and they bring Blackula to America. <laughs> 
it's kind of funny, but it's kind of horrifying, too, in many ways. And it did a sequel, Screen Blackula Screen. Mm-hmm. So it was really great to see that kind of stuff. And then you see, like, Eddie Murphy in The Vampire in Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, and I know it's supposed to be a comedy, but Eddie Murphy does a really good turn as a vampire in that. In the fact that it is a horror comedy, but it's more heavily on the horror, I think, than it is on the comedy. Yeah. And Eddie Murphy always has something to say. And you had mentioned Blade. Yeah, with Wesley Snipes. I love that. I, I love I love this series of movies. Blade Two is Blade Two in a lot of ways is very terrifying, especially with as I mentioned before, Guillermo del Toro's yeah. vampires. It's such a wild movie because Wesley Snipes is fantastic, and it's really a precursor to the modern Marvel movies that we had, right? Because it was like a was there three or four? Three, yeah, three, three in the TV show. Right, that's where I got confused. Uh, but, I mean, you have this, like, rich whole world that was created by Blade. Yeah. You know, and they brought in Udo Kerr, who played, you know... Every Dracula. vampire. Yeah. yeah, every vampire ever. Um, and and it, just the characters from the comic books, you know, like Pearl. I mean, what a gross character that is, right? So, Pearl uh, played the bully in, Bro- in Problem Child 2. <laughs> I just find that funny. Yeah, but I mean, like, just it's a, a really rich series. Three, uh, I think, uh, you know, yeah. Ryan Reynolds was in it, thank God. <laughs> you know, and, and Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley as a vampire. Yeah, he was sure there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, but it's it's the Pomeranian. It's the Guillermo del Turno Pomeranian that you go, okay, yeah, that all right. <laughs> Um, a, a doggy vampire, a, a, a canacula, I don't know, like, what would you call that thing? Like, Posferatu. Posferatu, okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, and of course, another movie that has Dracula in it, because, you know, you can't escape that. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I love the Blade films, I love Wesley Snipe in that role. And it's hard for me to imagine anyone else playing that role, but I'm sure it's going to be good. Now, before anybody comes for me, I'm not talking about Dark Shadows. And I don't mean the Tim Burton, Johnny Depp attempt. That's the best thing I can say about that. Uh, I'm talking about the original soap opera TV series. It had a huge influence on, I mean, Barnaby, 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 Barnabas, the vampire really shot Dark Shadows into, like, the pop culture iconography of the day because he was only supposed to be, like, a storyline, just a a brief storyline, one and done, gone. No! He became so popular that they're like, well, Dark Shadows is now about Barnabas. Let's move on. (laughs) And so, I mean, the reason I'm not bringing that up too much is because... That's a, a an episode all of itself. Any one of these things could have been an episode yeah. unto itself. And that, that makes this episode difficult because there's so many things I want to say about so many different movies and TV shows. Well, and you know, we didn't even talk about like Vincent Price and the Monster Club, where yeah. he goes through this whole explanation of what a ghoul is and what a dampier is and what all these other things are, where he's playing a vampire to, against John Carradine and... John Carradine's this, this human being amongst all these monsters. And at the end of it, you find out in this anthology of stories that are told between the two of them that human beings are actually the worst kind of monsters of all. 
And we haven't talked about True Blood or Buffy, but again, those are shows unto uh, themselves. Yeah. Oh, well, we do have to mention Buffy. Well, yeah. I mean, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, both the movie with Christy Swanson and the TV series, of course. Of course. Uh, movie with Christy we'll, I think we yeah. will do that as an yeah, episode. Yeah, that will be... Its own episode, yeah. We haven't even talked about I Am Legend and how they've turned vampirism into a blood disease. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that always confuses me because it, it always seemed to me, whenever I've watched any iteration of I Am Legend, whether it be Vincent Price, The Last Man on Earth, whether it be The Omega Man with Charlton Heston, or whether it be I Am Legend with Will Smith, they never struck me as being vampires. Apparently they are. I don't know. Um, but there's also... Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I love Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Cirque I saw that with your brother Robbie. Oh <laughs> that was awesome. There's Cirque de Freak, which is both, I guess, a book series and it turned yeah. into a movie. Um, in video games, we got the whole Castlevania series, Vampire Hunter D, Vampire the Masquerade. <gasps> I saw Vampire Hunter D once, like the movie. Mm -hmm. It is like a holy grail I'm trying to find. I know people said that you can order it off the internet. It's very expensive. I can't order it off the internet. As I've explained to my friend Marqueda numerous times in the States, it's only $10. In the States, it's only $10. You get free shipping for whatever. Here, there's the exchange rate. There's the shipping cost, which is... So your $10 item is now a $50 item. Not to mention anime just costs a lot of money in yeah, general. Yeah, because the... I think Vampire Hunter D, if I can even find it, is selling for like eighty-six dollars. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh but Vampire the Masquerade is a whole I guess video games and role-playing game and LARP series. Like they used to LARP that at my college up in London. Funnily enough, Vampire the Masquerade, going back to Gangrel earlier, Vampire the Masquerade, any WWE video game that includes Gangrel. Vampire the Masquerade, uh, Masquerade is credited in the credits because mm -hmm. he takes the name from the Gangrel uh, tr tribe, or whatever it's called in that, okay. um, as his name. Uh, we have the Van Helsing movies, or the new t series that's on, I think, Netflix. Yeah. Like, that's a whole separate thing of oh, yeah. vampire hunters. Because yeah. um, Dracula sort of... Did spinoffs in a way. Like you've got yeah. Von Helsing with uh, Hugh Jackman. I mean, it was fun at the time. It's a popcorn flick. It looks gorgeous. It's fun. It's got Kate Beckinsale in it. Uh, <laughs> and the thing is, I mentioned Dr. Elizabeth Miller earlier. Uh, Dr. Elizabeth Miller was the, uh, she's a professor emeritus of Gothic literature. And she was the president of the Transylvanian Society of Dracula. She came to our stage production of Dracula that Nick and I did many years ago and gave her thoughts. And she said that my adaptation was the most faithful adaptation she's ever seen. Thank you very Woo. much. Uh, but you can see her on the, um, the extras on the Van Helsing mm -hmm. um, DVD talking about that. Um, and then there was something else I was going to mention, but it's my train of thought got derailed. Carry on. Um, we also have like very, very, my or I wouldn't say minor character, but in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, yeah, uh, we got Melina in there, who's yeah. I love. Um, and then we have, geez, we haven't yeah, True Blood, Vampire Diaries. We haven't talked about that. The which Vampire Diaries also has the originals, 
and that's a whole different episode. And, and it's which, still going. I mean, you had, we recently had Renfeld with Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Hult. Fun little watch. Popcorn movie again. Fun little watch. But the whole idea of Renfeld being in this toxic relationship with Dracula, played deliciously by Nicolas Cage, I might add, and paying homage to Bella Lugosi. And I can't stress this enough. The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Please see it. Fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. And there's probably so many more that we don't even know about or can think about. So, I mean, feel free to leave comments in any of our posts yeah. about what your favorite vampire is. Yeah, we'd love to know that because, like, we didn't, like, I say this a lot, like, we've only just scratched the surface. We didn't even scratch the no. surface. No. This was, like... <laughs> there, there's so much out there you could really sink your teeth into. Ah. <laughs> Oh, steak through my heart on that one. I do the dad jokes around here. <laughs> Speaking of steaks, um, I forgot to mention at the uh, the Hexes Jinxes market, there was actually a stall selling vampire steaks. Yeah, I, and the one place had a vampire kit all done yep. up that you could hang on your wall. And I would, I didn't ask how much it was, but I would have loved to have had that because what I would have liked to have done with it is then put this little placard that says, in case of emergency, break glass. <laughs> or something to that effect. Of course. But that is all the time we have for this episode of Area 51 and a Half. Nick, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. You can find us on Instagram. And that, of course, now means threads as well. X, Twitter, and TikTok at the Area 51H. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Area 51 and a Half. Same thing with YouTube. And please check out our Patreon. Uh, and Ren, you had you were going to mention the contest oh, we're going the to the Halloween giveaway. Woohoo! Woo! We're going to do a giveaway. We're going to give you free stuff. Uh, so you have three chances to enter. You can comment on any of our posts on social media, includes the Instagram, the Threads, Facebook, X, or on Podbean. Um, but you have to answer the question of, other than free candy, what is your favorite part about the Halloween season? Everyone who has who, who enters gets to have an entry for a giveaway of like a little box of goodies, Halloween homemade goodies, that we will send out to the winners. Yay! Yay! You get a trick and a treat. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Area 51 and a Half. We'll see you in two weeks when we're going to be talking about horror literature. And stay tuned for a special Friday the 13th episode. Might not be what you think. Anyway, this is Spooky Uncle John and... Snyder Man 501, Nick Snyder. And Pyre Lily. Signing off from Area 51 and a Half. <laughs>